Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Thanks for being with us today on the Pilot's Advisor. Walter Storholt here alongside Ryan Fleming, financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving you worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. You can find us and listen to past episodes of the show, as always, on FlemingFG.com. Ryan, my friend, since we last talked, my goodness, so much has happened in this world. Um, you know, as we record this at the end of March, we are just kind of in the middle of a, a totally new world from the last time we spoke. Kind of bizarre, isn't it? Armageddon. That's the one word I have. <laughs> it's uh, It certainly has felt like that some days. Other days, uh, at least for me, I don't know if you feel this, but some days I just, the day ends very negatively very kind of negative approach and view on what's to come next. And then other days I find myself definitely very positive, kind of just emotionally up and down with the news and with the market even, just because we're kind of so in tune to it on, on this show and in our, our daily work lives. Have you kind of experienced the same range of emotions? I would very much agree. Uh, trying to be very positive, but it is almost depressing when you just see, you know, nothing but negative news, you know, and the market might be still going down on that particular day. And then I've also noticed, you know, now that we're in quarantine and locked down to the house, just knowing that you can't go out and do stuff is just depressing. Kind of a weird feeling when you're on, you know, we're all on different like levels of lockdown, it seems, you know, some states worse than others. But then even like, you know, the county that I'm in went on a little bit more of a lockdown than the next county over. And so that starts to get bizarre when, you know, you've got, you know, people moving in between counties that have different rules. And my parents living on the coast. I don't know if it's like this in Charleston, but they're on the coast of North Carolina and they're not allowed to like go out on the beach now because of everything that was happening down in Florida with the spring breakers. But it's like not even nearly as crowded where their beach is. So they find it kind of silly that you just can't go for a walk on the beach. It doesn't seem to sound right, you know? Well, and, and getting outside and having a little bit of fresh air, I mean, I, I feel like I need that just for sanity check. But uh, I guess the thing that I'm most proud of is all these essential businesses have included liquor stores across the country. <laughs> That's right. It was big news when they uh, they were saying, yeah, you can still deliver, right? Um, you can still have food deliveries. But then everybody was like, what about alcohol? And then they made sure to pass some <laughs> legislation. Have you ever seen somebody mobilize so fast to pass an amendment to a rule to say, yeah, okay, we'll now let alcohol delivery pass through, no problem. I mean, that happened really quickly. <laughs> to keep keep the uh, migrants at bay there i mean uh that's that's priorities right there priorities yeah that's right very good uh, discovery of priorities for sure well some of us are certainly you know kind of on lockdown um you know i'm hosting today ryan because my you know i normally host our show together we're, we're normally remote so this isn't a big change for us but uh, i just happen to be going under construction in my home office so then when we closed our real office I had to pick out a third spot. So I feel like I am like a lot of Americans where I am now literally hosting the show today from my dining room. So a little bit different of a setup for me. Um, I know that you are still working, though, and still out and about, obviously, in, in the pilot world and flying for FedEx. You've still uh, been traveling pretty frequently over the last couple of weeks, right? 
Yeah, I'm uh, currently doing the show in my home office, and I have a couple, you know, fans here because I have both of my children and my wife that are, you know, <laughs> trying to homeschool our kids. A live audience today? Um, yeah, live audience. So if you hear cheering in the background, that's why. <laughs> but no, like you have suggested, I, I have actually been flying quite a bit with FedEx, despite what's going on with the passenger carriers here domestically and internationally. There is a ton of cargo that needs to be moved around, medical supplies, and uh, FedEx is is been crazy lately. Have you? Uh, what's been the perception like as you have flown into different countries? I know Japan has definitely been one of your destinations over the last couple of weeks. What's been the reception there, the perception there, kind of what's their news look like and their status? I know that they've seemed to have, at least at this point, managed it well in comparison to some other countries, uh, despite being one of the first ones to get hit by it. They seem to have done at least measurably okay. Well, Walter, honestly, I feel like I've had a front row seat to see this uh, pandemic spread across the country because it first started happening in China. And I got to see, you know, where we were quarantined to a hotel room and seeing the streets of these major cities where there was no one around. And, you know, like literally, I mean, not one person on the street. It'd be like New York City where no one was walking around till now where we're still quarantined to a hotel room if you go there. But you get to see that it's going back to normal. And as parts of Asia are coming back to normal, people are getting out and, you know, life's coming back. Back here in the U.S. now, we're like a month, month and a half behind as the the virus has spread back here. So it's been very, very interesting seeing the different uh, dynamics of each country. Been to Japan, China, Taipei, Paris. I've stayed away from Italy and I think I will continue to stay away from there. But yes, it's been very, very interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, one thing. It's obvious that China sort of set the precedent when they locked down Wuhan and uh, the the province there, uh, Hubei, is I think is that how it's pronounced, the Hubei province or Hubei province. And, you know, that kind of set the precedent for now all other countries are following that model, of course, including here in the U.S., where we're locking down different states one after another, it seems. And so then the question is, how long does that last? And then obviously on today's show, we're going to get into what does that mean for the stock market and for retirement plans and the future of the economy? So many unknowns right now, Ryan. And I feel like that's what's really driving a lot of the um, insanity that we've seen in the markets is just n- for no other reason than we just don't know what to expect. And markets don't like uncertainty, right? Well, exactly. And and it's been difficult for me because seeing what happened in China, you know, firsthand. Um, I know some people that pulled their money out of the market. And of course, you know, looking at it now, that could have been a great move. But all the education that I've had and the numbers support long term that people that try to time the market only hurt themselves. And so, you know, you stick to your guns and you got to do what's right and and you can't speculate and gamble with your your money or your client's money. So, you know, we've stuck with with our principles, but it's been very difficult watching what's happened in the market and uncertainty and and day to day, I mean, the volatility has been crazy, which doesn't make sense when you look at a market that should be run by supply and demand. Well, I feel like you know we saw such a quick decline, but what you're telling me is if somebody out there didn't get out of the market before the crash, they shouldn't panic and, and throw their hands up and, and kind of sulk over this whole thing. Um, again, we keep a, a long-term view of the entire equation here. What, what historical... 
analysis is there or perspective. You know, we've seen obviously market crashes in the past. So if somebody's, you know, nearing retirement and they're a little worried about recovering from this crash and from uh, this downturn that we've had over the last couple of weeks, I mean, what do you say to somebody like that? Well, there's never a good time to panic. And what we're doing is taking a disciplined approach based off of historical data and uh, academics. And, you know, if you look at 1987, you look at 2000, 2008, now, now this, the market will come back. It always comes back. And this is where if you're a long-term investor, despite you feeling like and human nature making you feel like you need to do something, um, what you need to do is just ride this out and, and let it recover. And, I had a, another advisor I was talking to that put it the perfect way in my mind. He said, you know, when you invest in the market, there's a lot of risk. You're dealing with that risk right now and you need to be disciplined and stick around for the reward because those that stick around and stay disciplined get rewarded for it. What have your conversations been like with your clients? To be honest with you, you know, I think that, you know, like teaching and coaching and, and doing a lot of academics on the front end, if you truly teach people about the disciplined approach and about the numbers, you can truly have uh, investment peace of mind. And I would say the far majority of my clients are, are, are fine with everything because they know they're long term and it's not a big deal. And, and actually, are, they realize the opportunity right now and they're, they're realizing this is a great time to get into the market if you have any extra cash. Um, there has been, you know, have been a few that I've had to talk off the ledge and, you know, that's a part of the, the coaching process. I mean, I've had people saying cash now, like I want out, you know, and in a bit of a panic. And then you start kind of talking to them about, you know, the long-term principles and also for you to sell out of the market right now, you're basically locking in a 40% loss that you will never, ever recover from. People know that they should sell when it's high and buy low, but human nature and, and the fear and the pain of watching what's going on in the market right now actually makes people want to do exactly the worst thing for them. People always seem to have this fear that, you know, it's going to go to zero. And that's that's what they truly are afraid of. It's going to go to zero. You know, my folks are approaching retirement. They're only a couple of years away from it, Ryan. And so they're, you know, deeply affected by a big downturn like this. And so they have those same concerns, those same worries, and they're not alone. I've had lots of family members calling me over the last couple of weeks saying, should we sell? Should we sell? And they keep asking the question without having a full plan in place. And so the only thing I can really tell them is, well, it just really depends on, on your situation. Is this money that you need for for your retirement? Is this in the fund money bucket? I mean, um, you know, we don't even know how you're allocated. And that was one of the striking things. Um, uh, somebody close to me called and asked, you know, should I go to cash right now? And I said, well, how much are you down? And they had no idea. They were just going off of what the entire market was down. And so I said, well, you need to actually see how much you're down right now, because you may actually be performing pretty well, depending on how you're balanced and how your portfolio is, is structured right now. And so even something that's that simple of an understanding, that just illustrates the panic, right? We see what's happening to the rest of the world, but we don't even see what's happening to us personally. And so we're not even controlling the things that we can control. And so that's people make so many emotional decisions that then often end up being bad decisions because they didn't get the full picture of what's happening individually to them, just kind of reading the, the greater whims of the market and in, in the news cycle and those kinds of things. Well, nobody wants to actually analyze their own portfolio. They want to just watch, you know, Fox Business and watch the panic and freak out. Right. You know, right. Um, but yet they're too know, scared and I, and I to check their own clients. their own accounts. <laughs> exactly. And I've been telling my kind, just turn it off. Just turn it off. Go enjoy your family. 
enjoy the time that you have right now to do other things. You know, but what what this does do is it allows people to kind of feel the pain right now. And those that are in retirement are taking distributions. Yeah, this could hurt really bad because for you to have that that same amount of income that you spit out each month is is taking a lot more shares to sell. And that's why, you know, as you're getting close to retirement or if you are in retirement, you really, really need to know what your risk tolerance is and limit your exposure to those equities if you can't handle the market cycle. Because honestly, I, I think that this is going to be a V return, like where once we get uh, – you know, past this, I think the economy was in a position that we can get the get the ball rolling again and have a, a quick recovery. But who knows? It might take a year. It might take two years. I mean, you just never know. On average, it takes you know 171 days for the when you have a market crash for it to totally recover. And of course, I've sent out a lot of stuff to my clients about you know the other uh, health type of crisis like this and what the market's done six months post the crash and all of it's positive. So you know. We just don't know, but having a plan is, is half the battle. It's interesting that you say that, though, because to me, that doesn't sound like it takes very long. I know that's just, uh, you're talking an average there, but even if you look at more, some of the extremes and some of the biggest events in our in our history, it really hasn't taken that long to recover from these major downturns. And since this one is sort of one of those more black swan events, Ryan, and not so much like a systemic problem like we had in 2007, 2008, it does have that. Everyone does seem to be very positive, and uh, you know that might be one of the silver linings is that once we do get past this, it should be uh, rife with opportunity and uh, a relatively quick return back to previous levels, or at least back in that positive direction should start happening quickly. Well, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm also a realist, though, and I kind of I I know that you know taking care of our citizens and and you know making sure the virus doesn't spread is of utmost importance. But I am starting to wonder if some of the ways we're doing it are going to have drastic economic impacts because obviously just shutting down the whole economy for, you know, a period of time and who knows how long there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences. And, you know, for my airline pilot guys out there, clients, you know, what it's doing to the the legacy uh, passenger carriers right now is it's horrible and, and it's created a lot of uncertainty for people's jobs and their futures. I can tell you this, though, people are going to be itching to travel when this is all over. So uh, we just need to find a way to help the uh, airlines hang in there a little bit and uh, things will return to normal, hopefully very quickly. And there'll be so much demand for people to travel and get out and about, they'll, uh, you know, better days will certainly be ahead, or at least that's the way it seems to me. I sure hope that's the case. And, and you know, that's, I think that's a message that needs to go out to, you know, the American people once we do get past this uh, quarantine status is just the best thing that we can do for the economy is get out there and do and live and spend because that's what gets the, the engine running is, you know, getting money out there in the market and letting capitalism uh, take over because it's proven to work. Well, two more questions for you, Ryan, off the uh, top of my head here. One, if you're somebody that hasn't built a plan and boom, the market's crashed, but now, as many are, you're feeling maybe compelled to, boy, I really need to get a plan in place so that I can withstand the next crisis or the next crash down the line or so that I can take advantage of things that pop back up. Just what about that perspective of the person who, like some of the members of my family that called over the last couple of weeks, they didn't have a great financial plan or retirement plan in place. What did they do starting right now? Well, right now is a perfect time to do all those things. I mean, it's a perfect time to rebalance your account and get it set up for the recovery. It's a perfect time to buy into the market. If you want to buy in, you're getting a 35, 40% discount. 
And, you know, if, if that's something that you haven't done, if you haven't come up with a plan, waiting is not going to help anything. So, yes, I, I urge anyone that doesn't have a plan or doesn't know what's in their portfolio, doesn't understand their asset allocation and the standard deviation, the effects of what that could do. Now is the time to reach out to an advisor and, and get some advice and and get your ducks in a row for going forward. And then kind of on the flip side, for those who work with you already and they've got a solid plan in place, I know that it's kind of uh, it's a living, breathing document, right? So what adjustments could somebody be looking at making right now to the plan? Are you doing any adjustments to your existing clients' plans and their balances and, and portfolios and those kinds of situations? Well, of course. And, you know, this was where it becomes an individual uh, circumstance for each client. But, uh, you know, as, as the market has continued to go down, um, I've been continuing to rebalance those clients' accounts for their risk tolerance, which is actually rebalancing is one of the most powerful things in investing. And I don't think the average investor understands that. But it basically forces you to sell what's high and buy what's low. So as the market has changed, you keep rebalancing those accounts and it allows you to stay disciplined. Um, I think some other clients, you know, that might have been in retirement, this is, you know, uh, where you kind of sit here and go, okay, well, here's where we are now. Let's reevaluate how we're going to look at distributions going forward. Other other people, it's more about let's just having a, a conversation about here's where we are now. You know, I'm a long-term investor. What opportunities do I have in this current marketplace? And just getting a, you know, a, your mind back on track or, or a reset for um, investing in the market. A reset sometimes is helpful for us all. That is for sure. Uh, on a on a personal note, everybody uh, around you healthy. Everybody doing okay as far as you know. It's interesting. I know a lot of people feel like they've got a lot of folks who have personally been affected by this around them, and others. You know, if you don't know a lot of people who have personally been impacted, it's kind of hard for this whole thing to seem real. Everybody's got a little bit different experience or takeaway from this whole deal. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I'm at I'm at home here with my family. Nobody's suffering any consequences. Uh, it's hard to have this much time away from work per se, and not be able to go visit your parents or grandparents or cousins. But that would be putting them at risk. So it's really it's really a difficult time where you know that you have all this free time, but you can't really take that free time to go do those things that you would normally do. So I, I just urge everybody to look at the family that they're quarantined with and spend time with them. Reach out over the phone to those that might be quarantined by themselves. And it's sad that it takes moments like this or tragedies in the past to get us to refocus on what's really important. And what's really important is, is your family. I mean, that's if you don't have that, you don't have anything. And so, you know, if you can focus on that, I think it'll allow us to get past this because this, this too shall pass and we will be okay. The market will recover, your account will recover, and all will be fine. And it's just hard to, to you know, keep a focus on that. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay safe, certainly. It is a weird feeling when you uh, – my, my folks were visiting – a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of odd. We said, all right. They actually came up to get some toilet paper from me um, as they <laughs> they had none in the stores where they were, and I just happened to have an extra package. And I was like, look, if, if and they live three and a half hours away. So they drove all the way up here just to pick up toilet paper, and they ate some lunch, and then we said goodbye. And it was it was literally like, a, well, we don't know when the next chance to see each other will be, so goodbye for a while. You know, Take care of yourself. See you later. It was definitely a weird feeling because they were also supposed to be coming up uh, this weekend to uh, to visit and spend uh, a couple of nights with us. 
and uh, and and do some visiting here. And it's just you know obviously we've kind of called that off. And my wife's uh, f- father, who's a little bit older than my parents are, um, you know he's in his uh, in his seventies. And he kind of just, you know, he wants to come over and help us in the garden. And, and he, he loves working out in the yard. And he's like, let's get your garden up and running and, and do all this stuff together. And I'll help you do some landscaping. And he's all eager to come hang out. And here we are like, ah, it's not really the wisest thing to do. And we have to kind of tell him, like, that's really hard to tell him, no, don't come visit us, you know. So I can't wait oh, for, it's, I it's can't wait for that to be over. <laughs> well, it's it's very difficult, but you not doing it is actually taking care of them and keeping yeah. them out of harm's way. Yeah, and and it's it's almost counterintuitive to you know because you feel like oh I need to take care of my family. Let's get together and take care of each other. And you got to do the exact opposite. I mean, we were supposed to go out to Colorado and and see the uh, the grandparents and everything else, and we had to cancel that because it's just you know we're my wife and I both travel, and so we're probably one of those people that would put them more, most at risk. Yep. So it's very difficult. And so I have a funny personal story about everything that's going on. I don't know where or what caused everyone to start hoarding toilet paper, but I have a personal story to share. So I normally do the Target runs or Costco runs to get big, big ticket items. And my wife does some shopping, you know, at uh, Trader Joe's for more of the, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables and things like that. So my wife was harassing me because I bought another one of those huge Costco toilet paper things the last time I was in town. And she's like, we already have one. Why are you stocking up? Why are you hoarding? And I happened to be on the road when everybody started hoarding toilet paper and everybody lost their minds and started doing all that. And I just wrote her and I said, hey, uh, whenever you want to thank me for buying that extra package of toilet paper, I'm waiting for you to tell me that. So we've had fun with that. And of course, uh, we've had people in the neighborhood asking if they can borrow toilet paper. That's too funny. That is really funny. Yeah. I don't view buying like two things of toilet paper to be that much of a of a hoarding. I think it was the people that had entire cartfuls of toilet paper that was uh, getting a little bit ridiculous. But uh, just an, it was an odd thing to hoard, I think. I mean, just kind of bizarre well, that that's what the run was on, you know? And I'm definitely not a hoarder. I mean, I like to throw stuff out. I like to clean things up. I like to give stuff away. But she tends to uh, give me a little bit of a, uh, to harass me a little bit because I think I probably have like 10 things of deodorant. Uh-huh. And like, you know, a little bit too much toothpaste in the house. But I, you know, I just don't ever want to, this one ran out and then I don't and have another find one. one. That yes. Seems to me like the That's why I, I'm the same way. I keep tw- like 20 deodorants. Yes, absolutely. I just buy a whole bunch all at once. And then they can just live in, in, you know, in the cabinet for forever. I don't have to worry about going and getting it in the future. So I'm, I'm totally on board and with that's you. That's the way that. I feel about it. Yeah. But, you know, because I don't go to Walmart all that often. So if I'm there, it's like, eh, let me grab a couple extra two packs here. Right. Yeah. Stock up. There's a difference between being prepared and being efficient and, uh, and you know, total hoarder. But uh, that, is, uh, that is pretty funny, though. Yeah. The smart ones got that toilet paper before. Uh, there was the big rush on it, and and the panic settled in. But I just don't get it. I mean, if this was norovirus that caused issues in that region, then sure, that makes more sense. But <laughs> this, as far as I know, the uh, instances of that with the coronavirus are pretty low, so it shouldn't be as big of a concern as for whatever reason it became. But that'll be one of the things we remember the coronavirus for is the uh, the run on toilet paper. That's certainly a lifelong meme at this point, I think. 
So, Ryan, before we wrap up this week's show, uh, one last question for you. Do you want to just give, if you could speak directly, I know you've had a lot of personal conversations with clients and folks who have called the office, but just to our audience, something, uh, you know, any final thoughts on this whole coronavirus deal and maybe something parting that we can chew on before our next episode? Yeah, Walter, I appreciate you setting me up with that because I did want to reach out to my clients and any of the other prospects that listen to the show or get my emails. I have been sending out some videos and emails, you know, every other day, every couple of days, just to keep things in perspective because it is hard at this point in time. I have talked to a lot of my clients, but if anybody else wants to reach out, I'm always here for you. Uh, anyone else that is ready to, to set up a plan, there's no better time. But uh, just try to find some investment peace of mind. This whole uh, thing will pass. And uh, talking about it, just like with any other issue, is, is sometimes the best thing to do. The human race is very, very resilient, and we will get past this. We appreciate the help and uh, the guidance and just some perspective. I mean, I think this is one of those world events that's, even if we don't have some major takeaway, or obviously we can't just give specific advice to your situation because everybody's going to be different, um, it's just good to talk about it uh, with people and kind of, you know, walk through the situation with one another. As you kind of said, we're all in this thing together, and so we just got to kind of keep that in mind and look for the brighter days ahead and be ready to uh, capitalize on those things. And if you don't have a plan in place, you know, what's happened over the last couple of weeks has probably reminded you that you don't have a plan in place, and it's caused some of that panic and worry. So there's never a better time to do so. And if you want to get in touch with Ryan Fleming, talk a little bit about your financial situation, your retirement plans, where to go from here, what to do now that we've had this market issue, uh, you can call or text to get in touch with Ryan at any time, 843-475-3038. And you can also go online to FlemingFG.com. And we'll put all of Ryan's contact info in the show notes of today's episode. Ryan, thanks for the help. And uh, stay healthy, stay safe. And we'll talk to you again soon. You take care, Walter. All right, take care. For Ryan Fleming, I'm Walter Storholt. See you next time on The Pilot's Advisor. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.